Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. It is Tuesday night. I feel like this is always important to say it's Tuesday night, September 21st. Do you remember the 21st night of September? That's been running through my head all day today. It's one of the best songs ever. (laughs) It's one of those songs that gets played at every single wedding in the history of, I used to be a wedding photographer. I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I spent a good 13 years as a wedding photographer. And it's like that song and YMCA and like these songs, just there are certain songs that get played at every single wedding. Okay. So I used to work once upon a time at Lloyd Center in Portland. Okay. And I worked in the cookie shop that was on the third floor above the ice rink right on the corner. Long gone, but I think another cookie store or something is there now. First of all, kind of cool because it got to go in the morning and like unstock the freezer and stuff like that. And Tanya Harding was practicing there. So that was fun. But the problem with working near the ice rink, similar to wedding reception, the hokey pokey, 20 times a shift. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like the first three times that you hear it, it's okay. Times four through eight is like annoying as heck. And then you're just like, I don't care. I don't care anymore. Shoot me now. <laughs> you know, put the shotgun yes. in. <laughs> just, do you, it, do it, you, yeah, it was bad. Do you have Tilly's, the store Tilly's up there? Is that no. A, it's like a surf store kind of like, uh, anyway, Tilly's. It's probably not local to Portland. I think it's just a California thing. But um, when I was a young adult, late late teens, early twenties, I worked at Tilly's. You know, I was I was. It was like early two thousands, and <laughs> music videos were still a really big thing. So they had all these TVs in the store, and they'd play music videos on these TVs in the store all day long. Well, the problem was they were. It wasn't like they were just random videos. It was a loop. So every hour or so, it would start over, and it was just like. You, you just, it just never, you, you'd walk out of there and you would just never want to hear those songs again. But then you'd have to hear them the next day when you went back to work. <laughs> actually, for those of us who have been covering the Blazers for a minute, this actually seems pretty familiar. <laughs> like, oh, it's the off season again. Same as the last off season. <laughs> you, you put your oh. point guard in, you take your point guard out. <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, except we don't get reserve point guards, of course, because, you know, oh. Damian Lillard plays two billion minutes a season. But here's your forward of hope for the year. Uh, here's your bench player that you think is going to make a real difference. And by the way, like the two times it happened, you lose that player at the end of the year so they don't stick around. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Groundhog's Day. It reminds me of actually working at the cookie store, except at least there, I got all you can eat cookies. They literally yeah. ate, let you eat any of the stock you wanted, which was bad. I mean, oh. it was, yeah. But you couldn't take any home. That was the rule. You had to eat it on site. Yeah. So I would dinner was cookies. Survive. Yeah. I was going to say my current, I have this thing where I get on kicks of like certain things. So I'll eat, I, I'm a creature of habit and I can eat the same thing over and over and over and over and I'll eat it to death. I'll eat it until I can't handle it anymore. And that goes for like snacks. It goes for meals. It goes for restaurants. I'll eat at the same restaurant every time I get to eat at a restaurant for months until one day I'm just like, I can't eat this anymore. And right now I am currently on a kick of, spr- do you have sprinkles cupcakes there? No, but we have lots okay. of boutique cupcake stores in Boise. Okay. Oh, it's, it's like a, it's like a boutique cupcake store, but like a franchise. So there's franchise, is that right? Yeah. Like where there's more than kinda, one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's more than one. They're all over this area at least. And there's one near a place that I go often. They have this salted caramel cupcake. And I, oh my gosh, my mouth is literally watering. Just bring, we can't talk about this anymore. We have to change yeah. the subject. Well, so here, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, I'm going to get plain cheeseburger eating Dia. When if we ever meet in person, I'm gonna take the old iPhone out, and we're gonna video her trying different <laughs> kinds of sushi. Oh, you don't have to swallow no. them; you can just taste it. I just will pay a million bucks for this video. Like, no, it's not happening. It's I just, can't. There's just some things I can't do. Like just one bite and just to watch her I face. should have said that I don't like cookies or something like that so I could have tasted all the different cookies <laughs> yes well we'll do that too you can wash your taste buds out with cookies but it's oh. going to be an expression like if Damian Lillard got traded to the Lakers that will be her expression eating sushi and it, it, it will be marvelous and then we could actually I, we can use those video clips we can like have a video cast and like okay Lillard got traded gif. to the Lakers and the Dia face goes up yeah I'm just not someone who can do that. Like I can't, this is going to end really badly. Yeah. And it's food every time we weren't going to talk about, we swore we weren't going to talk about food this time. (laughs) And we literally did not get out of the intro without sprinkles, cupcakes. Okay. So moving on to the blazers, the big topic tonight, this is how we started was, you know, the, the date Um, it's Tuesday night. And the big topic tonight is current betting odds have the trailblazers as not only the favorite for the Ben Simmons acquisition, but they have them at negative 120, which means a 54.2%, which means more likely than unlikely, basically. So not only is it the biggest percentage, but they're saying that it's more than likely going to be the Blazers. Now, let's before we move on to this, for those that are not super knowledgeable about how betting works and how odds work, This is not like the teams are feeding them information. They're taking the information that all of the rest of us have 
and making these odds based on that. So my guess is they probably aren't super familiar with Neil Olshay, but that's a whole other story. So right now, the odds, odds are looking as though they are in Portland's favor for Ben Simmons. So once again, we come back around to this same conversation that we have had significant so many change, times, though. it feels like. It's a significant change, though, in this way. Oh, and by the way, we should also say odds work where they, they're they going to favor the team that you are going to bet on or or vice versa. So they want about even, they jimmy the odds based on expected audience response, so it's not a true thing. But it is indicative that the Blazers are considered more likely. But here's the other thing that really, really changed here, is that every one of these percentage-based predictions always comes with the asterisk if Simmons gets traded, okay? Which means, since the chance of anybody getting traded, period, is is not great. You're not actually 54%. You're 54% of the 15% chance that he gets traded. So ends up being like 7% chance in reality, even though you're going 54, derp, derp, that's great. Here's the problem, or here's the thing that changed. Ben Simmons isn't showing up for training camp. He's right. told the Sixers, I'm not coming back. I mean, I just period, I'm going to get traded. Now, all of a sudden, that 54% isn't 54% of 15%. It's 54% of near 100%, of near certainty, significantly changes the the right. equation. So it's still not, it still doesn't mean that he's coming to Portland. But right. it does mean that, hey, you should start paying attention that this is a tangible reality and that Simmons himself has made it so. And also, the scuttlebutt is, all those noises he was making earlier about really wanting to go to place A or place B has gotten a lot closer to, you know what, send me just about anywhere but here. It's definitely an interesting situation, and Blazer fans have a lot to say about it. I posted on Twitter, as this was happening earlier today, I posted a couple polls that I thought would be interesting. I have a lot of, I think the majority of people that follow me on Twitter are probably Blazer fans, so I get usually a fairly good... Uh, sampling of Blazer fans from at least from Blazer's Twitter. So I asked, basically, do you want Ben Simmons to come to Portland? And 64% said yes, and 36% said no. Then I asked, will he be a difference maker that Portland needs to be a legit contender? And 68% said yes, and 32% said no. (laughs) Then I asked, will the front office make this happen? And 21% said, yes, it's happening. And 79% said, no, absolutely not. And then the last question that I asked was, has how Ben Simmons has handled all of this forcing a trade changed whether you'd want him here or not? 58% said that they wanted him before and still want him. 21% said they didn't want him before and still don't want him. And then 13% said they wanted him before, but now they don't because of how he's handled it. And 8% said they didn't want him before, but now because he's handled it this way, they do want him. So it, it's, it's, it basically looks like overall, at least from this sampling, Portland fans feel like there's some hope there with him that if we get him, he can be helpful and they want him, but that uh, most likely it will not happen. Yeah, I mean... We always say most likely any given trade will not happen. That's just reality. It's nice that we're closer. I think I align. I think Blazer fans have it right, in essence. And by the way, I think that 
smartness has been enhanced by modern media. I mean, I think a lot of people know the score. Now, whether they use the information well is up to question. But everybody's heard, everybody's been able to make their judgment, everybody's seen the various analyses on Blazer's Edge and other places, and, you know, I, I think they're about right. Would I do it? My vote's still yes. Always has been yes. Should yeah. still be yes. It's the fresh start, the new hope, the, the long shot, so to speak, that the Blazers need. They're in a rut. They're not getting out of this rut with the trades they already made jolt the system see what happens and if worse yeah. comes to worse you've got a young player to keep and or trade as years go by yeah i agree i mean i think we've talked about this this whole scenario before even though i know that the factor now is that it might actually happen we've talked about our own opinions on it before so just basically to re-summarize i agree i think that in this case this is somebody that gives us some different options. I think it's a situation where you still, in my opinion, you still make Dame the primary playmaker, but you do let him play off ball a little bit more. And you kind of shift into essentially like a Steph Curry, Draymond Green kind of situation with Dame and, and Ben Simmons. I think there are things that have to happen to make it work, but I think it's possible. I think it would be a different way of playing. You know, we're kind of going in with different coaching and, and ways of doing things anyway. So maybe it could work. I don't know. I think at the worst case scenario, we're already not winning a championship. So it's worth a try. But, it, you know, I mean, again, it, it's at what cost. And I think that's where Blazer fans get hung up is it's hard to watch players you like go. Yeah. It, that's always going to be hard. You got to you gotta pay that, pay that cost, though. But, hey, I think you hit it right on the head. What's the difference? Here's what you got to ask. What's the difference? And Ben Simmons may not be different, and you may not like his approach. But in reality, the same lack of scoring. And by the way, the dude scores okay. I mean, he just doesn't I, like to shoot. He's in the NBA. Like he's he's, he's a very good player. Yeah, <laughs> and and he's really a, a, he's a franchise changing player in certain ways, which yep. is by the which is more than the Blazers can get from anybody else. So, yep. and hey, defensively, which yeah. we need. Yeah, defensively is great, but the same lack of scoring that hurts in Philadelphia actually helps in Portland because even if you trade away a scoring guard to get him, you still got lots of scoring. I mean, yeah, raise your hand if you want to score. Damian Lillard says yes. Norman Powell says yes. Yusuf Nurkic says yes, yes. Okay, and Robert Covington says, I'll shoot it if you pass me the ball. Fine, fine. That's that's actually great. He's surrounded by people who actually like did, but Ben, don't score. Uh, give me the ball. Also, right. as you say, he's not... He's not supposed to be the primary ball handler anymore. And also, he's not even close to the number one option. I know Joel Embiid was a more talented player, but Joel Embiid also spent a lot of time injured. And, let you know, Ben Simmons, when you have the rock in your hand, you're a lot closer to number one than when you're the center waiting for it. So even though Joel Embiid was theoretically the number one, Simmons was pretty close. Here yeah. he doesn't have to be. Nobody's looking at this team, providing they keep Lillard, and going, hey, Simmons, that's the number one option on that team. The best chance for him to make a positive change, both in the fortunes of his team, but also in his own personal role, uh, trying something new and seeing if that difference doesn't lead him to grow somewhere better. 
you know, there's been talk about people saying how that's not the role he wants to play and whatever else. But, you know, we've seen time and time again, guys come to Portland and end up being perfectly happy in a slightly different role. And I think that they, you know, I think a big part of that is Dame. We've talked about that before, the kind of leader he is and what he does with that team. You know, we can't say that about the coaching. I used to say that about Terry Stotts and about the staff and things like that, but we we don't know this this coaching staff yet. They haven't coached a season yet, so I can't speak to that. But I do think that, you know, it's not unheard of for players to come to Portland and fill a different role than they have before or than they've been willing to before and be happy in that. So that is not a deterrent for me. I think I think he'll be fine. He also um, has a mature so. team. For all we say, you know, it's not 2015 anymore. One of the things that means is that these guys have been through the wash a few times and they understand, you know, when it's rinse cycle time and when it's time to ding the bell. So, I mean, Simmons was kind of growing up a little bit like Lillard and McCollum grew up without a lot of veteran stars to show him the way or even really, really strong veterans, like, you know, give or take an Al Horford, but he, he, even he was long in the tooth by the time he got there. Okay. So... I'm not sure that will make a difference, but Simmons's foibles will have, instead of like making a ripple instantly all across the pond that upsets the boat, it's kind of like more they're in jello. They're going to make a ripple, but it's slower and eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade out quicker and the jello is still going to be undisturbed. That's actually pretty nice for Ben. Uh, the question will be, of course, what happens if it doesn't work out? They have to trade him and then, or not trade him, but trade other people. And all of a sudden, Simmons is the number one option again, just a couple of years older. Then the Blazers might face some of the same problems that Philly is placing now. But I think you take that chance and you go through that couple of years in order to get a player of his caliber. One of the things we did this week was put out on social media, on uh, the site. We gave people an opportunity to, to ask questions about, you know, about the team, about us, about whatever, and said that we would do the best we could to answer some of those questions. So we're going to do kind of a speed round here, Dave. We've got a lot of questions. So I think if we try to keep these two short-ish answers and not just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. This is not, I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying this in general. We tend to. I'll I'll tell you what, in my other job, uh, we do a uh, feature called Two Minute Tuesdays, where I get asked a deep theological question about like God, the universe, all this stuff, right? Like an impossible question. And I have 120 seconds to answer it. And you never hope to be right. I'm never going to be right. But to give some kind of cogent answer in 120 seconds, I am primed for this. So so we'll see. I don't think you even said that in 120 seconds. So we're in trouble. Oh, snap. <laughs> Dia's going at me again. All right. That's extra sushi okay. for you. We're going to get the spicy okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm going to start with the the questions from the site, and then we'll move on to some of the ones that were on Twitter, and and I got some on Instagram as well. Ooh, so, I'll be interested to see the quality of either, you know of I don't mean like are they good or bad, no, but what's yeah, the tenor? But they were different. They were, so the ones on the site I feel like were a lot more tech technical, I guess, mm-hmm. and then the ones that came in on Twitter and on Instagram are all obviously from people that follow me and they were not as technical. They were a lot. I mean, some of them were about the, like the, you'll see, but it was, it was kind of an interesting, it was interesting. Definitely interesting. Why um, is Dave such a hottie? Well, because I work out most days. That's really why. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Yes, I am so, available. Okay. Anyway. Party with Bill 
is the username here. It says, so much has been said about the lack of defense in our backcourt, but Dame and CJ make up for it with offense. If Blazers break up the duo and replace CJ with a better defender, will it result in a better plus minus or will it be negated by the loss of offense? No, that'll be interesting. I don't know about the plus minus exactly. We'd have to, we need to run that experiment before we see the number. That said, I got two words for you, Norman Powell. And I got two words for you, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. And both of them are kind of underutilized as scorers. So I'm not worried about Portland's offense. If anything, there isn't enough room. And it's been a real testament to the coaching staff uh, and to the players involved that they've been able to share the ball that well. So I don't think you worry about that at this point because Norm's got a lot more junk in the trunk and so has Nurk. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is something we briefly addressed before that, you know, scoring is not our problem and, and we have more coming but defense is a big issue for us if we can improve that defense it's going to be huge so if we can take out one of our one of our shooters and add in somebody that can that can really play defense and especially somebody who's a playmaker and is going to get that ball to into the hands of the guys that are going to shoot it i think that's a good situation okay this one comes from 76 77 maniac I love these. My, my names are always so, because I have a unique name, mm-hmm. my username is literally always just Deandra Ann, which is my full name. Every single time. Some It's never creative. I've never had to get creative, and except when I was in middle school and there was Instant Messenger, AIM or whatever, yeah. AOL. My username was Basketball22, and I'll let you figure that one out. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so- <laughs> Deandra Ann. Deand- it's Ann, right? Like yeah, Deandra Ann. Not Deandra Ann. Deandra. No. If Anne. you were in a Japanese role playing game, you would be Deandra on. But Deandra Ann. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's, it's very lyrical. It's like poetic. It's like a violin string. Yeah. Music. Like I got David Deckard, and it's like, okay, there's no way to say that with like, that's just like, bleh, it's there. Yeah. It was It was the name I used for my photography. When I did wedding photography, it was Deandra Ann photography. That was the oh, business name yeah, I used. You got and so I, much business just off of that, I'm sure. If it's hard to spell, so... <laughs> if your name was like Shecky Gruberman or Freckles McGee, you would have gotten like no business. Who are you hiring to photograph your wedding? Freckles McGee. Oh, okay. I mean, I would hire him just based on the name. How fun is that to say? I mean, yeah, Freckles um, McGee. Sounds like okay. she's selling hot dogs or stripping. <laughs> anyway. Something. So 7677 Maniacs asked, will better shooting from Nurkic and the small forwards alone improve the Blazers' defense? The Blazers did shoot among the worst from two-point range among the playoff teams and as a team shot over 20 points lower than the league average from two-point range. Improve their defense? Was that the question? Defense? Will better. Okay. So the question is, will better shooting from Nurkic and the small forwards alone improve the Blazers' defense? <laughs> this goes to our defense. shoot 200 points, score yeah. 200 points okay. defensive so tactics. It, <laughs> last I checked, shooting was on offense, but I think I know what they mean. Okay. And first of all, the Blazers did give up too much in transition last year, but that had not been a hallmark of theirs. So I'm hoping that the transition defense will come back with maybe better health and better concentration. And the the, the problem with the you know with missing shots is if you if you miss too many and you don't get back, you you leak points. Right. That said, I don't think the correlation will be strong there. But even my bigger worry is we're assuming that we're going to get better shooting. That may not be true. Just getting Nurk more touches doesn't necessarily up his percentage, especially if the opponent right. can hone in on it. And I hate to tell you, but Larry Nance Jr., 
not necessarily a prime shooter. So, I mean, Robert Covington became one in his lane, but will his lane be the same with this offense as it was last time? So that whole front court, you know Damon and CJ are going to score, but that whole front court is a question mark now. Norman Powell should be okay either way, but you know what? He's one of the few players whose shooting really dipped when he came to Portland, So and severely at first. So they're question marks there i don't think we can assume that they're going to shoot better they may actually shoot worse which will not help but i don't necessarily think that better shooting is going to improve the defense either i think the defense will improve the defense and it will be relatively independent of how well they score that being said i definitely think if nurkic can improve his his shooting that's i mean any improvement in any area is going to help us. So, you know, essentially, I guess if you want to stretch it a little bit, you could say that if our shooting improves, there are less rebounds for the other team to get, which then would mean we aren't turning it over as much. We aren't, you know, I mean, they, sure. I guess you could get all technical. Well, like I mean, that. That, that's, that's part of it. But the bigger part of it, I think where it may show up is in points allowed. And the reason may be, that Portland's half-court offense may be slower if it's not quite as guard-oriented, okay? Because those guards tend to shoot quick. I mean, Terry Stotts was like, first open shot, you take it. If right. the Chauncey Billups offense is more complex than that, especially if it runs through Nurkic in the middle, it's going to slow down, which means fewer shot opportunities uh, for Portland, but also for the other team, provided, as you say, the Blazers don't turn it over. So that made lower points allowed simply by lowering possessions or slowing down tempo that said hopefully the blazers will also fast break too that may negate it but we'll have to see short answer is we don't know but the longer answer to that the more important answer is don't bank on portland's offense being automatically smooth the way it was under terry if that front court is relied on to do a lot more scoring the next one is from Astronax, Astronox. I'm not, I'm going to pronounce these wrong, but there, there it is. The Suns just went to the finals last year. It seems that on paper, they are fairly comparable in talent to the Blazers. What are the specific differences between them and the Blazers that make them a contender? Are the Suns still the biggest threat in the West? So essentially, why the Suns and not the Blazers? And are the Suns still the biggest threat? Okay, so there are a couple things. Aiton is a better center. I mean, I know Nurkic, I love Nurk, but Nurk didn't have a good year. I think Nurk can do some things that Aiton can't. But, I mean, this dude was picked number one for a reason. He really blossomed. He came about, and he was a huge reason, especially in the playoffs. And they had that threat that made you turn your head from the guards. And as good as Yusuf Nurkic has been, he's never really been that except for an isolated moment. So as soon as you're not looking at those Phoenix guards, now all of a sudden, Devin Booker becomes devastating. He's your Damian Lillard analog, and I'm not saying he's as good as Dame. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying if you want someone to put up 40 points, you can pick Damian Lillard or Devin Booker, and you're good with that, right? Either right. one can fill that function. And then you look at CJ McCollum versus Chris Paul. CJ's a better scorer. CJ's quicker and has more probably, you know, he has, he has a few more things going for him right now. But as far as player... Oh my gosh, Chris Paul does so much for your team. And he can also score 20 if you really need it, like CJ can. He just doesn't do it all the time. So, hey, 
there's an argument that their backcourt is as good as Portland's. Their center is better than Portland's, and they have the same filler at forwards. Plus, obviously, they were very well coached. I'm not saying that Portland wasn't. But as we've talked about multiple times, if I could pick any coach besides Terry Stotts, yep. it probably would have been Monty Williams. And they got And maybe it. even over Terry Stotts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it turned out, I think all those things were were right. Now, are they still the number one threat? Okay, you got to look at, are the Lakers healthy? Obviously. You're always a little bit scared of the Clippers. So Phoenix is up there. And of course, the Jazz. Well, I mean, don't, 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 we forget the Jazz, but the Jazz were actually jazz. a better regular season team. So, right. hey, well, and, the, the, and, they're, they're all right there in a bunch. And truthfully, the Suns, I, now I am not discounting them. I think they're obviously a great team, but they did get a few lucky breaks in, in the season. And what starts to happen is you get those breaks, you do well, you, you score, you win, the momentum builds, it continues to build, you make it to the next round, the momentum builds, it continues to build, you make it to the finals, this momentum, they, they have this like snowball of momentum and then they lose the way that they did, it's going to knock them back a couple steps. That's not going to be an easy thing to recover from. And I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, have this idea that the Suns are going to come back this year and they're just going to annihilate everybody because they have this motivation to win now and they got a little taste of it and whatever. And while I think that there's something to be said for that, I also think there's something to be said for the frustration that comes from getting that close. And especially for someone like Chris Paul, who is still chasing that ring and is at the end of his career, there's frustration in that. And it's a lot of work to get through the whole regular season, get through the first round, get through the second round, get into the play. Like that's a lot of work. And to have all of that end the way that it did, that's not an easy thing to come back from. So I, I think, I don't think you count them out. I think they're absolutely a threat. I think they're a team that you need to be careful of. I think they're going to be really good again, but I also don't know that we're going to see the same momentum from them that we saw last season. That, that may be true. I would still count Phoenix in the top four easily going into the season. I don't think you can do anything, but I would still say the Blazers are not that. No matter which way you slice it, you would rather be the Suns than the Blazers right now. Oh, yeah. I'm not denying that at all. I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as it was, as it seemed to be last season. Well, it really only seemed um, to be okay. last season uh, at the end of the season. At the beginning right. of the season, in the middle of the season, you were looking, you know, Phoenix is doing okay. But they really solidified yeah. and gelled as the season they went along. Yeah, they really kicked it up a notch at the end. And that's what I was talking about with the momentum. You know, they just kind of picked up that momentum and they went with it. And they just kind of slowly knocked people out. And, and there they were. Okay, this is a long one. So hopefully we can kind of put this together. As now, we go. now, you know, by the way, now you know what I go through with the mailbag, like every mailbag, not everyone. Some people send in short words. It's fine. And I love the long, but it's like, it's like three pages of question that it's either print this whole thing or distill it to three sentences. And I usually distill it yeah. to three sentences. But for a podcast, this is great. Read it out. This is how this is how I ask questions. <laughs> My questions come out is in this, paragraphs. Is this going to be like me proposing to take someone to prom? <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering, you know, since there's a dance and dances, you're supposed to take two people, you know, and I know that I'm not, you know, a jock or anything. Hey, Dave, we don't have to. This is more than 120 seconds. Okay. This is from... Skapuzer. Skapuzer? Skapuzer. From Skapuz. There's a Z. Skapuzer. I don't know. I like it. Anyway. It's better than being um, a Skapuzi. It's like the town did something to me <laughs> and it was bad. 
We should just spend one podcast going through all the usernames and discussing them. Ooh, um, rate your username. Oh my gosh. No, that would be <laughs> rude. Okay. I realize Simons looked better in the playoffs, but at, okay. First of all, side note, I'm, if we somehow manage to land Ben Simmons, I'm already stressed out for our announcer because I can't even just reading Simons versus Simmons. I get so, if I don't know the context, I'm going to say it wrong. Oh, DeAndre, and you didn't, you were not here <laughs> when we got Joel Prisbilla. And to, <laughs> to this day, I have people insisting that I spell Priz's name wrong. And no, oh. I don't. It's the correct way. It just doesn't look right. <laughs> so, okay. Simon Simmons this is, is easy comparatively. This is Simmons. I realized Simmons looked better in the playoffs, but averaged less points than in the regular season. And while he's still young, Wait. where does he fit in? And why do you think he will be an integral part of this team? I think that's the basic question, but I'm going to finish the thing. Eight points a game could be had by a lot of bench players. I see a player out there dribbling between his legs that looks pretty and dribbles as much as CJ and like CJ would prefer to look for his own shot before getting other teammates involved in the offense under two assists a game is not a backup PG point guard. Yes. CJ McCollum is almost five assists per game. I see a player who isn't very good on the defensive end and no one has been able to convince me he's gotten better at defense. I see a slam dunk champion that rarely dunks the basketball and never see his hops helping this team rebounding under three a game. The most anyone can go on is potential and maybe good insurance if CJ gets traded. But how does Ant really help this team? I cringed every time he came into the game, hoping he could make two threes in a row. Do other teams really have any interest in him? I don't see CJ Ellaby staying with this team long term. Are they only keeping him on the roster because he has a guaranteed contract for this year? Camp invites seem to have more to offer this team than LB. So it looks like a two-part question. First of all, it's Anthony, why do yeah. you think Anthony will be an integral part of the team? Basically, he wants you to convince him. I mean, he may, and not, then he may not be, okay? But uh, I think you need to give him some credit. His defense did improve over the years. It's still not fantastic, but he's not just what he was earlier. So give him some defensive credit. Uh, he's not supposed to rebound. If he's rebounding, he's probably not getting back unless you're Russell Westbrook and he's not. So yeah, let's, let's not worry about rebounding. He's supposed to be on the break. Either way, first one down the court. Let's then go to his uh, offense. I think there's a valid point in that he's not a point guard and he shouldn't be a point guard. He's shown not much ability to be that. And he's sized like a point guard, kind of, although in this NBA, eh. So he gets half of a pass for that with the asterisk that you're not, he's not going to run the team. I think he is a dangerous threat with the ball in his hands. And I think the absolute most dangerous part of his game is that quick release three. And that is what's going to make him special. And when he hits that, his drives will open up, get quicker. And if that all comes together in a sparkly unicorny hole, then he will be a potentially devastating offensive player. It is, he's not there yet. My critique of that question is he doesn't have to make two in a row on threes. All he has to make is two out of five, and he's golden. And he's been kind of doing that. So as, as long as he can make that quick release three, he's going to have that potential, and you just need to leave him in the oven a little longer to see if he can put the rest together. And if he does, he could be 
a real powerful scorer. Then you ask, of course, whether he can add that defense a little bit enough to justify the starting position. And if he does, you got a starting shooting guard that you're not sneezing at, which, by the way, is not bad for where he was drafted. So I'm I'm still pro Ant, but I'm not married to Ant. So if they trade him or if he doesn't pan out, I'm okay with that. I just think it's too early uh, to dismiss him. And the way he grew last year did impress me. Okay, so the second part of that question is uh, CJ Ellaby. And are they only keeping him on the roster because he has a guaranteed contract for the year? I mean, yes and no. I mean, they see something in him. Neil Olshay sees something in him, obviously. Uh, And uh, by the way, cheap on this roster is important because it is very top-heavy in the salaries. And you've got to have a lot of minimum contract players, most of which are just side pickups that you don't expect to play, let alone play well. C.J. Ellaby, at least they saw something in to play a little bit last year. There's hope that he can grow. Until you've seen him prove that he can't, there's no reason to dismiss him. And there's absolutely no reason to get rid of him because you're not saving any money by doing so. And despite what the reader claims, I'm not sure anyone the Blazers are inviting into training camp has as much upward ceiling potential or whatever it is that that Ellaby has. Not that Ellaby's going to pan out. He may only be a 10% shot to do it, but that's 10% more than a guy who's been through multiple training camps and still hasn't made a team. Well, and I also think it's important to remember he's a rookie. And yes, there are rookies that go early in the draft and occasionally that don't, that are just, uh, it ends up being a fluke that have substantial playing time. But the majority of guys that are drafted as rookies are not playing all-star year. Like they're just not, this is not, I mean, this is his first year in the NBA and he did do some really good stuff for us at times. There were flashes of greatness at times, not consistently, not enough that it probably has stuck with a lot of people, but it's there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some potential there. Is he going to be a difference maker this year? Probably not. Yeah, but okay. you, you don't expect anybody with his salary to be that. So, right. <laughs> you know, again, why why dump him for another guy who makes the same but doesn't have the potential? That just doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. We we want to win now, but in a, in a situation like that, that's somebody that can maybe eventually who, help Who would you too. get that would really help you win now? You don't, if that guy's playing, if the guy in that slot's playing, you're in trouble. I'm yeah. playing meaningful minutes. <laughs> yeah. So True. it really True. doesn't matter who you got there True. in that sense. Okay. The next one is from Joe Lim. Joe Lamb. And the question is a nice short question. What would it take to make a win-win trade of CJ for Ingram possible with the Pelicans? Oh, boy. This is a hard one. And you know why? Because it's variable how much New Orleans values Ingram. But here's my question. What are they getting with CJ that's that much more? And I think they do will get some veteran, you know, dependency, dependability, I should say. So I like that. But they also lose a little they lose age they lose a little bit of sparkle and you know what zion is young and it's not that cj wouldn't fit but i don't think anybody's going you know zion's going to carry him in the next three years to a to a title cj is going his contract's going to be done over that span about three years from now and he's going to be 33 i'm not sure if i'm new orleans if i want that to happen unless i really don't like ingram so I would think it would take more than the Blazers want to pay. 
Uh, I think you would have to look at some first round picks or something like that, which by the way, they don't have unless it's in the future. And you really don't want that because then if it doesn't work and all of a sudden you are dumping Lillard and you didn't get uh, Ben Simmons for him, by the way, instead you got Ingram and is Ingram going to carry this team? And no, that's not going to happen. So you're just kind of up the creek and now you have no draft picks. So I don't, maybe I'm wrong. This is one, it's a big question mark for me. I'm shooting in the dark, but I just don't really see this making a ton of sense from the New Orleans side in a way that the Blazers would meet and pay for. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just let you have the answer to that because I, I mean, that's, I don't see this as a realistic thing this right now, at least. So um, I think that was, let's just go with your answer. Well, and it's a weird thing too. We should expand on this just slightly, okay? Because you, you take for granted how good Dame and CJ are because they know each other, they cater to each other, they do the thing. And whatever is, whatever criticism you have of them, that's never been one of them. They play well together. Right. You trade away CJ for a guy who might be better, it might be more exciting for sure, and, and gets you certain things. But does he get you that automatic playing well with Dame? I don't know about that. As well as playing well with the rest of the roster, then I'm not really sure. And it's not that I don't want to trade CJ. In fact, I would advocate for it and have been. But I'm just not sure if bringing in Ingram in his exact approach in that exact role is really going to be that much better even for Portland alongside Dame right now. Now, if you're getting rid of Dame too, I think there's a lot stronger argument for that. I don't know. I'm, I'm split. Yeah, I think if you're if we're discussing a trade for CJ, I don't think it's worth it to do anything that's even remotely lateral. I think it has to be a trade that's going to make a, a decent improvement simply for the factor that you're talking about. Anybody who comes in that's new, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get acclimated with how this team works with new teammates. That takes some time building that chemistry that they have and that ability to read each other and things like that. That takes some time. We've talked about that before with other trades and other people that come in. We saw that with Robert Covington. He came in and struggled at the beginning and then it started to pick up as he found his place and as he figured out how it all worked together with this team. And I think if you make a lateral trade for CJ, it ends up not being really a lateral trade because because you lose that, especially initially, and and they are going to have to make up for that later on then. Well, I mean, role matters too, because here's the difference. Ben Simmons, okay, he's coming in. What's the first thing he's doing? I, I'm going to play defense. Oh, yay. Okay, there's plenty of room for that. There, nobody's going to argue you can fit that role to your fullest. Bingo. Okay, now you've got a place on the floor. Okay, well, I do handle the ball. Okay, we're going to have to work on that. But basically, we've got people around you who can receive your passes and play off of you. So you're probably going to be, you're not going to be sparkly, automatic fit, but you're going to be able to work into that pretty easy. That's a lot different than you got to score 20. And by the way, you got to score all 20 or we're going backwards. And, and we got to have you pick up your defense too, which you're not really entirely known for. Okay, that that learning curve is a lot higher. So the role and the ability or skill that the person brings in matters. And that's the precise difference between fitting Simmons and fitting Ingram into that trade. What makes one more lateral and one more at least difference making or forward looking? Uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting topic for sure. It kind of leads to the next one that comes from Memphremog Memphremagog Memphremagog. 
Wow, <laughs> you have a name that Dia can't pronounce. Good job there. I mean, it doesn't take much. Is there a sensible three-team trade you can see that involves Simon, Simon, Simmons, Ben Simmons? <laughs> I'm, I'm in trouble there. Where he doesn't end up with the Blazers, but we get another all-star level talent that makes us materially better. It seems to me that the only way we play in the Simmons sweepstakes since Maury has his heart set on Dame is to make something happen with the Blazers. Yeah. Uh, look, there are a couple of options, really. First of all, you could do an Ingram-like trade. I mean, this would be if Philly wanted CJ and then New Orleans wanted Simmons, and then which actually would be interesting. Then, you know, you get Ingram coming to the Blazers. I'm not sure that that's a big improvement like we just talked about, but that's one of the ways in which a trade like that might happen. Uh, you look at Minnesota as well and what they might have to offer. But even more exciting than that is, look, now you're talking about draft picks, right? Because... I don't know if you want Phillies, although they could throw in some, but that other team now can throw in uh, salary enough to make it match, and Philly can throw in salary, but you're not looking at talent now. You're going like, okay, this is the first step of rebuild, and give me all your picks. I mean, just send them over. And so here you get two mediocre talents for CJ, but you get like three first-rounders because everybody else likes the player they're getting and are willing to trade a first-rounder for that player, but they... They trade it to Portland instead of to each other. That could be an exciting permutation and one that I think would move the Blazers forward in the future. Now, the problem with that, of course, is, look, if the player coming in, the Blazers could even get away with that. If the player coming in is just a decent small forward, then you you run your Dame Norman Powell backcourt and you give Nurkic a bigger role and you figure Covington and that small forward are going to hold the fort. Maybe you don't even go that far backwards this year, but you figure in years to come, you're going to slide down. If you don't do it this year, you're done with this, but it's okay if you're done with this because you've got two or three draft picks now in the hopper. And when you trade Dame, you get even more. Now all of a sudden your rebuild is accelerated. I have so much respect and awe for people who can really follow all these trades and especially when you start in adding in a third team and people that get in and play around with the trade machine thing that they you can do I, my brain just struggles with this the the concept of it the whole is short of just you give me him i'll give you him <laughs> My brain struggles. So I have I have a whole lot of respect for someone like you, Dave, who can just rattle these things off like it's nothing. Because- well, I'm not naming specific teams because I haven't gone in with the trade thing. But, you know, basically that's your two scenarios. You either get a sparkly star or you get draft picks. And I'd actually right. be more excited for the reason we just talked about, about the draft picks maybe, because it offers a lot more flexibility. I'm getting stressed. This all this talk of trade just stresses it's me okay. out. <laughs> just imagine sharing sushi and you know mm, that's not helping. <laughs> okay, so Luca Luca's three. I don't know. I don't know if I Luca's three. He sounds like maybe he's a Luca fan. Um, or maybe his name is Luca. What is the most athletic lineup the Blazers could put on the floor? And could we maybe see some dunks in garbage time at least? Greg Brown, Nasir Little, Anthony Simons, and who else? Larry Nance Jr. and Norman Powell? Yeah, and this is the problem, and this is the thing. The Blazers are not really quick. The Blazers are not really big. The Blazers are not really hyper-athletic. What the Blazers are is skilled, and they have scoring punch, okay? Yep. But that's kind of like, okay, that's good, but it's like you got the peanut butter, 
and you got some Wonder Bread, you need more jelly or you need a different sandwich or something. Because you know what? The dude next to you has a Reuben and it's it's rocking the world. And your peanut butter and no jelly is okay, but not okay. Even if it's great peanut butter. That analogy has gone far enough. That said, <laughs> this is why. Why don't the Blazers fast break? This is why. Uh, why don't the Blazers just use a devastating rim attack? And it, it, this is why. They've got like one guy who can dunk, <laughs> you know, uh, and they didn't airplane mode and he's gone now and they didn't feed him with lobs. Uh, so you've hit on something that's a hidden deficit in the team. And notice that the most athletic lineup that you could envision is one that would never, ever play unless you were done for the season uh, or you were blowing someone out by 40. You can't add two more players with that lineup to make it work. And by the way, when you look at Larry Nance Jr., and yeah, he's kind of athletic, but that's not, that is his bag, but he's been injured enough to where it's, eh? I mean, Norman Powell, yeah, but mm, no. God, you just, it's not there. There's no good answer to that question, but that question is a good question because it points out one of the dead ends that the Blazers are kind of facing. Yeah, it's interesting sometimes when those questions come up that you just don't really have a good answer for. That's that's a real easy way to tell where we need to make some improvements. Mm-hmm. Why don't the Blazers have um, a fast break offense? Well, because it's Damian Lillard and it's CJ McCollum. And by the way, kind of use of Nurkic too. And their top three are don't want to run. They'll run, of course, if there's a freebie. But these are not running players. These are players who feast in the half court. That There's no other explanation for it, and they're not going to run until their star core gets traded or overturns to or turns over to a younger core. That's it. Okay, JoJo Jean asks, can the Blazers bring Powell off the bench and maybe have a little bit taller player start at the three spot? Because in my honest opinion, I don't think it's good to start three players, six foot three or under with that small of a lineup. The Blazers will get burned almost all season. Players are getting bigger and stronger and playing six, three guy, as opposed to six, nine or six, eight, or even six, seven. At this point, he's yelling at me in all capitals. The six, three guy will be having to use way more energy than the big guy. So who do you think will have the advantage? Well, Jojo Jean, we would all like to know this because you can't play what you don't have. And what we have is a whole bunch of six, three guys. So yes, I, I'm really offended that he's yelling at me, Dave. It's all capitals, and I just feel a little stressed by that. You know, I think everybody is looking at this and thinking, like, yeah, we we need some size. We've been talking about that. That's been a topic of conversation, not just with us, but everybody on the planet, except apparently whoever's making the decisions for the Blazers. But we we that's what we have, and we can't put guys out there that we don't have. And like the, like we just talked about, there are certain lineups where we can pull in. I mean, we have a couple guys that are a little taller not much but a little taller sitting on the bench I mean, we got cody zeller he's tall but we can't just throw him we it's not like we can throw cody zeller in there instead of cj like we've got there there's only so much we can do and there are certain things we can't throw out there and this team essentially right now is built around three small guards that's what we built around so to say that it's not good to start those three guards I, there's not a lot of options there. That's that's what we built around is that assumption that that's what our lineup is going to be. So you and me both, Jojo Jean, you and me both. What she said. Boiled salmon and durian vinaigrette? Um, no. 
not that, boiled. I mean, you're going to sous vide it, maybe? No, this was not. This wasn't a question, Dave. That was the username. I know. I know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking, who boils their salmon? Is this really a thing? I mean, I could grill salmon, and it's actually pretty good. I, I, I'm not sure even salmon sous vide would be right. But, Wait, but maybe. this isn't the question. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, I'm just processing this. Are you trying to gross us out, like with this boiled salmon? That seems an awful lot like lutefisk. And then you throw in the durian, which is like hella smelly, like basically barf pudding of a fruit. Okay. And I'm no, thinking. I know you start using barf pudding and we move on. I can't. Oh, uh, okay. Hey. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> I just, I just made, never mind. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. Okay. okay. So his so let's question move on from or her Mr. question, Mr. their grilled question. Salmon, grilled salmon and herbs. Okay. Woo. Their question is, should the NBA put a spot on the floor for a four point shot? Okay. I have to, I have to, let me take this for a second. I got the opportunity to go to Vegas and shoot the big three. And if you're not familiar with the big three, it's fabulous. It is fabulous basketball entertainment. It's basically three on three basketball with guys that used to be in the league and are no longer. Greg Oden is one of them. Um, He plays in, in the big three and it's half court and they have two big round circles that are four point shots. And it's incredible. They have fire. I mean, if we're going to put four-point shots on the floor, we could also add some fire. Like, we could just turn this into something. I love that whole concept in the big three. Personally, I say this is a big fat no for the NBA. I think we already are seeing guys shooting from freaking half court. And it changes the game so drastically that if you start giving them an extra point for doing that, it's going to move the game back even more. And I, for one, don't want to see that. I want I want to see more action inside. I want to see him driving. I want to see him dunking. I want to see that kind of stuff happening more even than it is. So for me, I say no. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I would say hard no for me too for the same reasons. Is start to bend the game and have unintended side effects. I guarantee you, nobody, when the NBA adopted the three-point arc, saw this modern offense. And there's more than the three-point arc that made it, but I already think the game is bent a little bit too much. Here's the only way I would support that. Try this out in an all-star game. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, and here's the thing. Here's and my, fire. Here, yeah, here's my idea that incorporates your fire, maybe just lights. Those spots on the floor light up at random times, and only when it's lit is it worth four points. So you see during your possession, it lights up. You can get over there. You could shoot it. Here's the other thing. And it may not happen on a possession. It doesn't happen every possession. It's just like random. Although we know it's going to happen equal time for both teams because fair. Um, The other thing is it's always lit if you're down by 21 or more. So you four-point shot like and you can close the the lead. Uh, But after that, you have to do it uh, honestly. So I would be interested to try something like that as a gimmick, but I don't ever see it like taking over. Yeah. And frankly, I don't want to see, I don't want to see guys specialize that much in getting out there and doing that. And I don't want to see defenders have to panic about a four point shot because it's worth twice as much as a regular shot. So we're standing out there at that obnoxious, you know, distance and, you know, having to guard straight up and, well, and then you get into what do you do with a foul on a four point shot and what, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that you have to adjust. Well, and Damian Lillard's shot probably would have been from four-point range. But you know what? Had that been, first of all, Paul George probably would have had to be up on him. But second of all, 
like, is that really fair? Like all the other shots have been two or three. And then all of a sudden you hit this one that's worth four and it wins a game when 99.9% of the rest of the game has been played. I don't want to say honestly, but under certain assumptions and this just, just breaks those assumptions and allows the kind of bizarre win. I'm not a big fan and I don't think that I'm, going to be proven wrong on that and i think yeah. by the way uh maybe taking away the corner three i'm 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 in favor of doing less point scoring th- with single shots not more that actually is a topic at some point i'd like to get deeper into but i think not tonight well i mean uh, look i know it makes sense a little bit and we'll, we'll here's we'll prime the pump for that why is fouling on a three worth three free throws it doesn't have to be and especially if you're like you're not really in the shot if it's one of those weird things where you put it up why can't it just be worth two? I don't think that that borks the game that much. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to hear it in the comments, but, well, but then intentional you have, then fouling. You, well, no, that, I, I think this is a bigger conversation that we should maybe table for another day because we still have a lot of questions to get to and I, I want us to be able to. Yes, ma'am. Um, but I do think that this is something that we should revisit at some point because I think it's an interesting topic. So then there's two questions that are similar. Dim, Dimitrol 037 and SMTX both ask about the comments. How about addressing the massive elephant in the room and going over this whole commenting thing? Can we go back to the old comment style? For those of you who don't actually read Blazer's Edge or participate with Blazer's Edge, they, the SB Nation, which is the larger site that it's a part of, has changed their commenting system. We have no control over that as a site. And uh, people aren't super thrilled about it because anytime there's new, right. it's hard to Some adjust. people aren't super thrilled. I think most people have Some adjusted people less than a week after. And, yeah, and it's so. not that much different. You can order your comments different. They put your name on the top instead of a title line. And signatures are borked at least partially the purpose of it makes it harder for people who need uh, narrative help, you know, like uh, reading assistance uh, in terms of uh, audio to, to read the site. You can't read comments because all you get is people's signatures over and over and over again. The one thing that they'll probably, I imagine, start to work on is the indenting because that's been, it doesn't indent quite as far. That doesn't affect most sites because most sites aren't as large as ours and generate as many comments and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised to see them address that. That'll come down the line. They've evolved this comment system way more than it was a year ago. I don't see the huge difference. I don't see it as that much of a problem. And I think it will settle in. I saw an astute comment today that said, if you were brand new and came in here off the internet, you'd probably look at this and go, "Heh, it's not bad. And really, it isn't. Yeah, so the I just wanted to I'm trying to get to as many of these as possible. So I just want to say that's that's the end of the comments for the site. There were a couple questions on Twitter. Driscoll Zach asked, "Will we try and trade CJ for Simmons?" I know CJ is a great guy, but we need to be able to D up in playoffs seems like a match made in heaven. I think we kind of went over that a little bit. If they don't try, it seems like negligence. You, I think you'd at least want to know that offer was on the table to open up that possibility or that conversation. Now, maybe they think they know something about Ben Simmons and his whatever that just make him a no-go. That would be fair enough, okay? But you've got to at least look. Definitely. And I, I'm not going to add to that since we talked about that earlier on in the podcast. I've done their podcast. They're, they're, they're good people. Blazer Tag podcast asked... Biggest change and hardest adjustment to the ever-changing media landscape in today's sports world. What's the biggest change and hardest adjustment to the 
changing media landscape in the sports world. Biggest change has definitely been the flattening out of the curve that just about everybody can cover just about as well as everybody else at this point because of all games being televised, because of things getting out on social media almost instantly. It almost doesn't matter who has the microphone. That is uh, you know, true for, I would say, 90% of material, maybe 95. There's still that 5% where it really, really helps to be on site and to have that exclusive access, but it's much less valuable uh, or distinctive than it's ever been. That also is honestly the challenge because increasingly teams have been taking over that themselves that every team has a social media arm, every team has quote-unquote columnists or whatever, that they simply supply their own narrative and have no need or really desire to take really serious outside questions, comments, or whatever. And even if they did, they can pick, right? Used to be you had to pick one of three people to talk to to get your story out there. And if those three people were all going to take a critical approach, you were out of luck. Now you have 93 people to pick from. And if person number 65 isn't going to take your approach, you just go to person number 79 and say, hey, you want to talk to me about my story? And they'll say, oh, yep, yep, that's super prestigious. We'll tell it just like you want it. So it's to boast the great joy of relatively flat access, but also the, the loss that comes with that of being able to get truly independent or different stories. This is actually something that I kind of like about in some ways about the change that we've seen over time. It's still not an easy world to break into as a job, as a profession. But if you want to be involved in sports and you want to cover sports, anybody can have a platform. You just kind of like you said, you know, you start a, a social media and I mean, people are coming up with their own media companies all the time and covering and getting even to the point of having credentials and things like that. You know, we live in a world where people can really chase what they want to do without having to have the same connections that you used to, you know, any, anybody has the opportunity if they want it and if they work at it, you know, that it, it opens that up. And, and I think that that can be a good thing. And it can also be a bad, a bad thing. You know, there are things about that that are good and that are bad. But I, I love that opportunity for people, though. I think that that's that part of it is really cool. Adam Schaefer at AG, nope, AJDS asked, if you were splitting tickets, which games would you try to convince Jake to take? Did he mean Dave? Did Jake, did Dave autocorrect or, to Jake? Or maybe, maybe he has a friend named Jake and he's just asking us how to <laughs> screw Jake. <laughs> Who's um, overrated, in other words? If you were splitting season tickets, which games would you try to convince? I, you know, I, I, this is interesting. It's, I've started to like certain players on other teams. And so I think if there's a, if there's a team that has a player that I want to see, um, then those are obviously tickets that I want. Um, the Knicks have become my East Coast or my Eastern Conference team. So if we're playing the Knicks, those are the tickets I want. Um, I like to win. I don't really like to be there when they lose. So if there's an easy win, those are the tickets that I want. I mean, really, I don't want to split them. Let's be honest. I'm buying my own season tickets. So <laughs> every year I have to do this in reverse in that look for the best team whose tickets cost the least for Blazers Edge Night. And 
dang, I've been good at that. That it's much more limited now than it used to be. It used to be I got boy, you count the Blazers edge. I mean the Grizzlies when the Grizzlies were good. The Oklahoma City Thunder when they had, you know, uh, Kevin Durant and just were fantastic. We got those like there was always one value level team, the Golden State Warriors when they were coming up. It's like, oh, that one. But um so look, East Coast, you want to you want to get rid of Diaz Knicks. They're not going to be as good this year as you thought. I mean, Sixers are an obvious one. I think the Heat are, Heat are going to be overrated. Give give your friend those ones. Out West, during the regular season, especially if it's in the early part, dump Denver. They're going to be overrated in Portland. That's going to be everyone's going, oh, play Denver. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. No Jamal Murray, and it's not going to be, it's going to, yeah. It's just don't worry about it until the end of the season there. Um, you know, I always think the Clippers are more glitzy than they are fun to watch so if there was a premium game that i didn't want that would be one of them just to just give them the clippers and then you take the lakers or something you know uh, or take the suns i'm trying to think i think most other teams are pretty mediocre uh i think you want to get the mavericks because that's going to be always fun uh absolutely get them dump the spurs obviously because they're running on past credit and are no fun to watch anymore um you know you want to see the nets but i could give up the nets uh, in the East, I want to see Milwaukee. Don't miss Giannis. I mean, that's just give up the Nets if you can see the Bucks. And, and I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anyone else like in the East that I've, I'm dying to see. Okay. Um, okay. Last questions. Five more questions, all from Instagram. Um, basketball content, New Zealand or NZ. Um, Stevie, I've worked with him a little bit. He's great. He says, what do you want to see from Neil in the next press conference? Cool. <laughs> I can't say that. Um, I can't say. You mean short of resignation? No, you said that. All right. So um, I, <laughs> uh, we, we welcome Ben Simmons. Uh, we are sad to get rid of CJ. We know he will prosper in Philadelphia. He was one of the best players to ever put on this franchise's uniform, and uh, he is always welcome and drink his wine and welcome Ben. I don't want to hear Neil Olshay ever again if I can help it. Like, let everybody else talk. Uh, I have not, I don't, I just don't want to hear from him. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. You, you people don't understand. Like, Dia. If Dia is, yeah, Dia says this about nobody. I don't know. I don't know how we got here, but yeah, okay. I just, I, I don't like how he's handled things. That's what it comes down to for me. It's not about play. It's not about players. It's not about anything else. It's about how he has chosen to run this franchise and how they've handled things. And I'll, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to go down that I think it's generally true. I don't think we're letting out a secret that the closer uh, look i don't want to speak for anyone else i'm not speaking for anyone who's close to neil but in general i found that the closer people get to the blazers front office the less popular the blazers front office tends to be i mean you're not yes, entirely alone fair, in that, i think true um okay this is an interesting one coach morgerson said asked over under two and a half years for dane staying in portland under Oh, I can't go with under. I'm going with over. I was always going to say months. No, years, Dave, years. Under. I, you know, look, you're probably right, and I hate that, and I will deny I ever said it, even though it's being recorded, so I can't. Are you my ex? Um, <laughs> but no, she would I, never say I'm always I'm right. Period. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. I I I think I I'm gonna say over because 
I want to believe that he's going to finish his career in Portland. And it's like, it's positive. What is it where you like say the positive things so that they happen? Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do that. We're going to go with that. So that's my answer. So uh, get a ring, one ring, one ring. And he's good. Maybe finals appearance and he might be good for life. But if he gets a ring, I think he'd, I, I think he'd stay. That's what I'm saying. If he yeah. gets a ring, he's staying forever. Finals appearance yeah. might do it too. Because then he'd get yeah. closer to Clyde. But, yeah. uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Obi-Wan, um, in your opinion, who on the Blazers roster may be an excellent surprise this year? That's a fun one, too. I mean, are you going to be surprised by Larry Nance Jr.? Because I think there's a high probability that you just love him. I mean, love him. I'm not saying that he's going to pop off the screen or have huge stats. I'm just saying you're really going to like him. Um, yeah. The other strong candidate, obviously, I think, is Nasir Little. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I I, th- I agree with you on Larry, I th- but I don't think it's a surprise. I think everybody's waiting to love him. Um, Nasir, I think we're going to see a huge improvement from him. I think the team is is recognizing that, which again is why I don't think they had him play in summer league. Mm-hmm. And I think they're gearing him up to have legit minutes this season. And I think he's going to thrive in those conditions. I think he's going to be great. Tra- trade CJ and it's going to be Norm. And the other part of this square is you're going to like Cody Zeller more than you think you're going to like Cody Zeller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about Cody Zeller, but I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it doesn't mean um, he'll be great or a difference maker, but, you know, surprise, you know, he's going to be, oh, I like having Cody Zeller. And that ties into the next question from Alexa Cooper. Uh, which young guy are you most excited to watch more this season? And I'm going to go with uh, with not Nasir Little again for that. That would be my answer. Also, Greg Brown. He's I, He's our rookie. Uh, I don't know how much playing time he'll get, but the bits and pieces I've seen of him, I'm excited about him. Yeah, the Blazers don't have young guys to get excited about. I mean, Simons would be the other one, uh, but he's, I mean, he's still young. Uh, I mean, there's not, there's just not a lot there where you go, oh my gosh, this, we have a lot to choose from. So, I mean, I think we've named the three and there you go. I mean, unless CJ Ellaby makes a surprise experience or appearance rather, but you, you wouldn't anticipate that. Yeah, I, I'm by anticipating. I don't mean it's not going to happen. I mean you're not going to sit here and go, "He's going to be the surprise." If it happens, it happens. But it's definitely those three that you mentioned, and little is the most likely, honestly. Yeah. Um, last question. This is from uh, B underscore A E B I. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Would you and Dave ever do a Portland meetup? Um, can we? Are we? Is is okay? Um, there might I, be one coming down the pike. But what does he mean by Portland meetup? Does he mean we host a bunch of people, or does he mean, I mean are you and I ever going to meet in Portland? <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's safe to say. At some point, we will be in Portland. I, you know, hopefully, we'll have that opportunity at a game. Um, you know, I I have some things I'm playing with to be able to do some online things that we've done, like where we can watch the game online and have interaction with people. Um, but neither Dave nor I actually live in Portland. Um, so we're both out of the state even. Mm-hmm. So to do something outside of that would take quite a bit of planning. I mean, I'm open to it at some point, but I don't know what that looks like. We had early on, still a great memory, early on Blazer's Edge. This was pre 
Ben, I think. So it was pretty early. We had a meetup uh, in, a, in a guy's restaurant slash bar. And we were like, hey, we're going to do this. Come if you want. We thought, you know, we'll get a dozen people or whatever. There were like 200 people that showed up and they ate the place out of food. Like there was no, they were making, people were ordering sliders and they were like going next door to get hamburger buns, cutting them off, sticking God knows what on them and saying, here's your slider. Sorry, it's not the normal one. We have no food anymore. And That's awesome. people came from Hawaii. There were people from local wow. media. There was all kinds of stuff. And that was when we were babysite. Now, I granted, we don't have the up-and-coming, lovable cachet anymore. Blazer's Edge is, at this point, the grandparent of popular Portland media. Uh, by popular, I mean like non-Oregonian, non-athletic, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we're, we're the old dogs, so we don't have that same kind of lovey-dovey, you're so cute, but I would guess if we opened the doors, we would need to have a fairly substantial place, and especially if you came, because you're riotously popular. So we'll think about it, <laughs> but we would take, as you say, a certain amount of planning and making sure that we could handle that capacity. Yeah, that would be fun. I think it I think it'd be a lot of fun. But it's it's maybe what we do is at some point we we say, Hey, we're gonna go to a blazer game. Um, or something like that because they have a lot of capacity. Here's what we need to do. Bring the recording stuff. Um, and somehow get hooked up to a PA. We get someone to help us with that. But so we record the podcast live Q and A from the audience. Oh, that'd be fun. Where you and I just that'd talk really back fun. and forth because what you don't see is like we're just talking. I mean, we don't, we just talk, we could banter like this, like all night. In fact, this podcast we have, we're past the hour 15 mark at this point. Oh no. But uh, <laughs> like this would be easy to do in person because this is just us. So uh, we'll think about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the idea and I, you know, I mean, we're almost, we're almost a year in and I just, I'll take this minute to say, as we kind of close this out, that I just, I'm constantly blown away and appreciative of those of you who, who listen every week, who download the podcast. Um, I'm totally blown away by the response we've had from this. You know, when, when we started talking about the idea of doing this, I was a little iffy about it. Um, it it's, I, I didn't know what to expect. I've never done a podcast and uh, I've just been completely blown away by the connections that have come from this, by the conversations that have come out of this with, with listeners, with you guys that are listening. Um, I just am grateful. You know, this is something that I've never really had an opportunity to get to talk about the Blazers and last season before, or the season before we started this podcast, I was going on every podcast that anybody would let me on because no one in my real life will let me talk about the Blazers. And so it was like any opportunity I got to get to talk about this team that I loved, I was all about it. And so to get to do that week after week after week after week and to get to follow what's going on and have these conversations and have it be something that you guys, you know, listen to and, and take uh, 45 minutes or an hour and a half, apparently, out of your day to listen to me and Dave and what we have to say. Um, I'm just grateful. And I, I think I could never say that enough because without you guys listening, we wouldn't, I mean, we might still be here, but it wouldn't be nearly as worth it. Right. <laughs> so, and, and we're not trying. This is what I love about Blazer's Edge. We're already big, so we don't have to try to be big. Um, all we have to do is show up and give you us. And we're never going to give you anything but. 
uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, agree or disagree, but it's also very relaxed, right? You show up. We're not trying to say things to get ratings. We don't have to say, you know, we don't have to make up stuff. There's literally too much stuff to talk about every damn week that our podcast that was supposed to be 40 minutes has never gone 40 minutes and now is, you know, like 35 minutes over that. But the reason for that is because this is who we are. And it's a privilege to be who we are among and in front of you. And I hope that gives you guys permission to be who you are talking about the Blazers and in your life, because it is possible to do that and have a meaningful effect on the world. And, and it matters. So, yep, you guys are awesome. And I think for someone like me who is coming in here, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning about, you know, um, cap space and contracts and, trades and how they work like those are things that I'm still learning and being allowed to learn with you and to you know like I said be myself or like Dave said be myself and and really just you know <laughs> throw out whatever it is I'm thinking and and feel like I've got a place here even though I may, maybe don't fit the mold of the typical sports media or sports podcasting or whatever like I don't fit that and being allowed to to be here and to do this, I'm just I I I don't say it enough because I like I don't want to get emotional and overwhelm you guys every week. But like I love this and I am so stinking grateful to have these opportunities and to get to do this and and the interaction and the conversations that come from this. I love it. I love reading comments. Like even if I don't comment back on Blazers Edge, I, I read them. I know Dave, I know you read a lot of it too. The interactions on Twitter, like I, I read those things. I, I just, I love it. And I'm so grateful. I'll stop now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should, I'll add it to close that I can get a million people in here to do salary cap and whatever. I can do some of it. They're, they're experts and people use that to have expertise and power and I get it and whatever. But there's only one Dia. I can't get another Dia. So, I mean, that's, this is the value. And, and Danny doing other podcasts and Steve and Perry and all the people who do the, the other pod, you know, it's us. It's, and it's not unique to us. It's the, the people, all the people who get to fill these seats, podcasting or writing or whatever. That's the irreplaceable resource. And the people who leave comments and support the community, that's the irreplaceable resource that we gather around. And it's so awesome. So for um, Dia Miller, I am, no, sorry, for Deandra Ann, and I am Dave Deckard. Uh, we will see you next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. 
it's magical.